On this episode of Road Dirt, the podcast, we talk with America's ambassador of motorcycling, Robert Pandia. Stay tuned. This episode of Road Dirt, the podcast is brought to you by Royal Enfield, Royal Enfield Motorcycles, North America and International. Their bikes are selling like hotcakes all over the world. Their primary models now are two uh, twins, the Interceptor, or here in the United States, it's known as the INT650, the Continental GT, a cafe racer style bike, an adventure bike off-roader called the Himalayan, and most recently, we got to evaluate their Meteor 350, fantastic small displacement cruiser bike, just an all-around motorcycle. Really, all their bikes are just great all-around bikes, very affordable. Um, I think the most expensive one is still under six grand, and yet these bikes are high quality. So check them out. Find uh, the dealership nearest you, RoyalEnfield.com. Built like a gun since 1901, Royal Enfield. Hey, this is Rob with Road Dirt, and we are with Robert Pandia here at the uh, Progressive International Motorcycle Shows. We're at the um, Georgia International Horse Park. First time it's been at this event. And really, I was talking with Lauren Lloyd yesterday. This is the first time the IMS has been back in Atlanta for, I don't know, 12 years? Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. It's been a long time. Yeah. And yeah. to come back and be outdoors... Yeah, that was, I mean, um, the pandemic kind of forced our our play on that, but that's actually something that as a team we've been talking about for a while to do some outdoor shows, right? And the, um, uh, and where you would do them, you know, that it could be anything, but with our focus on demos, you want to be someplace where you actually want to ride a motorcycle, like doing a a demo event in the middle of downtown Chicago would suck, right? So big time. So anyway, the, um, uh, it, it really kind of put all of our plans into high gear, uh, made us rethink what the show is. We rebranded the show to IMS Outdoors to kind of reflect that it's it's not just a, the international motorcycle shows minus a roof, right? It's, right. it's different. And uh, this year we've had some bumps and starts in there, but I think the core of what we got going on is, is pretty good. Uh, and as our audience sort of learns what the shows are all about, um, I think it's going to, you know, continue to draw more people because this is one where, you know, it's, uh, it's a real rider show, you know, and, and you, I don't care how many buddies you have at dealerships or whatever, you cannot demo as many motorcycles as what's out here. It's insane. I was talking with a guy yesterday. Um, I was up for, for somebody yesterday as well, who was telling me, he was like, dude, I got to hop on one bike after, after another, after yeah. another, after another yeah. brand to brand to brand. And I said, that's, that's the genius of yeah. this model that the yeah. IMS has gone to. Yeah. Uh, it's, you, I mean, I think that's the thing that, uh, uh, again, when people realize that you can get on a bike and, and I think some people, you know, they, they get, they're like, oh, I'm a sport bike guy. So I'm never going to, I'm never going to ride that Goldwing or I'm never going to ride that, you know, that, uh, Kawasaki Vulcan. And then, but you're like, let's try something outside of the norm. Yeah. Then all of a sudden you realize that you're not a sport bike guy. You're just a motorcycle guy. Yeah. You know, and your world opens up. I was, when I worked, we were talking earlier about my time at Aprilia. And when I went, when I worked at Aprilia was my first OEM I worked with. And I was a super bike snob, man. (laughs) I was like, everything else is crap. Why would you want, you know, why wouldn't you want, want a bike with only 40 horsepower or something like, you know what I mean? 
I know that mentality. And I, I borrowed, uh, I got cajoled into borrowing a, a Victory Kingpin from uh, Derek Scott, was the was the marketing manager for Victory at the time when I met him. And um, and he was from Austin, where where I'd gone to school. And um, and so we kind of hit it off. And he kept wanting to borrow Aprilia. So I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah, sure. He said, you got to borrow Victory. I'm like, oh, yeah. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, I know my, you know, cruiser. Yeah, you... my poop doesn't stink over here, <laughs> you know. I, you know, but yours, I don't know. But and I borrowed a, a kingpin, and I was only going to ride it for a day. I ended up keeping it all weekend, and I absolutely love that bike. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's one of the, you know, that eventually I became the Victory PR manager. But uh, um, but it really opened my eyes, you know, and. Now I'm, you know, sit on 13, 14 motorcycles and they're all different and they're, you know, it's all the world of motorcycling. You love, yeah, something to love in each one of them. Absolutely. That's right. Um, How long have you been with the IMS? You've been with them for a number of years now with International Motorcycle Shows, several years. Yeah, it's funny because when a lot of people look at my career, I was with Aprilia for 10 years and I was uh, working with the two Indian uh, or Indian motorcycles in victory for right. 10 years. So there's, there's 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I would do little side gigs and I ended up doing a ton of other stuff, right? So I yeah. would run uh, Buell track day events, for instance. And oh, wow. one of the other gigs I did was uh, being spokesperson for the motorcycle shows. Yeah. And so I didn't have a life, man. I just, <laughs> I worked my ass off. No, you did have a life. Uh, yeah, that is the life, was, according yeah, to some yeah. people. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, my sister worries about me, but uh, <laughs> but anyway, I um, uh, so that relationship with IMS, it it fully it goes back like the entire length of my career in motorcycling. Yeah. Um, because I used to go to IMS Dallas before I worked for Aprilia, just mm-hmm. when I worked at a local dealer. Yeah. And which is where I met the Aprilia marketing manager, and then just things kind of grew from. So it's literally right. been what I don't know, twenty-five years. Yeah. And the show, awesome. the shows existed for forty-one. So you know, I mean, it's pretty. It's been a great relationship, and IMS is a uh, the team that runs this show are unbelievably good. And the ones we've worked with, and yeah, Aprilia, they're they're yeah. amazing. They know and, their stuff. Um, the uh, and it's largely women. Uh, as, as, you know, this, the show is run by women. That's yeah. probably why it runs so well. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the um, uh, yeah, it's been a long relationship, and I've gotten to do a lot of stuff. I developed the Discover the Ride with them. I was I uh, produced uh, videos for them. We did stage content. Um, you know, I got to do got to be on with Katie Couric. Oh, cool. On uh, today's show as a spokesperson, yeah. and um, you know, so it, it's been fantastic, and, and I owe a large part, of the, certainly the visible part of my career, to to the team at IMS, and specifically to Tracy Harris, who's the the VP of the company now. So, um, Robert has uh, been a a big name in motorcycling and motorcycle journalism, motorcycle magazine, motorcycle news, and things like that. You're you may not realize how big a name you know you are. In a lot of a lot of respects, I've been reading your stuff for years. Um, in the different publications I've freelanced and written for, I've seen you at at, at events and in and in motorcycle to, motorcycle journalism. In a lot of ways, I almost think of you as like America's motorcycle amb- motorcycling ambassador. Hmm, that's kind. And um, because of the fact that 
you have a relationship with so many brands and you're such an advocate, almost an evangelist for the, for the, mo for the power sports industry. And I think that's a great position that they need somebody like you. The industry does, and especially in the last 10 to 15 years. And um, how far back in your life, even beyond working for a dealership where it all started, how did you grow up riding bikes as a kid and stuff? Or? No, the opposite. My dad, really? yeah, my dad was a doctor and uh, my mom was a nurse. So all they knew of motorcycling was like the worst parts of it, right? And right. Uh, they um, were donor cycles to yeah, them. Yeah, right? it was, you know, I mean, that was in the era when, you know, hurricanes and ninjas were, were starting to pop up. Mm -hmm. and. And guys were getting on uh, motorcycles, mostly guys were getting on motorcycles, ride them too fast, didn't have the training, and, you know, and bad stuff happened. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, you know, like, um, you know, every day, like, thousands of planes are in the air, but only when one has a problem, it doesn't make the news. And it's the same thing with motorcycling, as I try, you know, it's like, nobody comes home and goes like, I'm alive, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you're fine, right? And um, uh, I, and I don't, I wrote an article about uh, the first time that motorcycling entered my consciousness as a, as a young adult. And it was a story about how we were parked, I was on the wrong side of the rental um, station wagon sometime in the 70s, and we were in front of Man's Chinese Theater, mm -hmm. you know, on a family vacation. And my sister got the seat where the stars were and everything, you know, and I was all kind of bummed out because I couldn't, you know, I didn't see that. <laughs> and this, this, what I know now was like a hand shift Harley came rolling up mm. next to me and it was like <laughs> just like shaking right yeah and the guy would look straight ZZ top you know um, beard on him and yeah. like little black helmet and just black t-shirt and and um, and I just remember it just looking at this machine and the forks were like uh -huh. you know and I was like how is he holding on to this animal? This I mean, monster. You know? and, and I'm like watching and, there, and and I remember seeing this cable that came off the front and the cables like whipping around and everything yeah. like that. And this thing was just alive. And I, and I like my eyes like traced up the bike and I was kind of scared to look at the devil himself. Right. <laughs> and, and like, I look at him and he's staring right at me right through the, yeah. the car window. And he gives me this big toothy grin mm -hmm. and just blips the throttle. And I probably jumped out of my seat and he took off and I'm like, Hey mom, dad, did you see that? Okay. <laughs> and they're just like sitting in front of the car. Like, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, don't look, you know? And I was, it, that, you know, that a, that a man or a person can control something like that, like blew my mind as a kid. Yeah. And that always stuck with me. Uh, and, uh, but I, I was never allowed to have dirt bikes or anything like that. So I didn't get on a motorcycle till I was, uh, uh, 17. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then back, you know, at that point it was just purely transportation. And then I started meeting community and I started learning that, oh, there's, other bikes besides my lowly Suzuki GN 250, you know, and uh, and really got into it. So. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. I, I've never heard that story before, but I think so many of us in motorcycling have an early impression story like that. You know, you know something I, that yeah. imprinted on you, right? And you never forgot it, and right? You ended and up I think that's something that, like, as you know, you go over to the vintage display over there, yeah. and there's a yellow Honda uh, Z50, like an original Z50, yeah, like, sitting saw up that. on the crate up there, you know, right. and that's such an iconic bike from that era. But as we march on in time, that wasn't the first bike, you know, people would have. Now it's starting to get to be like XRs and yeah. you know, and stuff like that, uh, or an O set. 
electric trials bike for a kid or you know or whatever but that that first interaction with a motorcycle the way it sticks with you is critical um and that's that, taking that several steps further back is why i've gotten involved with strider and all kids bike and um and became an ambassador with them is because that's where it all starts on on bicycles and uh, uh and the work that strider's doing uh, and I'm very proud to say that the IMS show has donated a all-kids bike program in every market we've gone to. Yeah. And that's 5000 bucks. It's a five-year program for a school. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're literally building our own market for, you know, for people who are going to be families that are going to want to come and, you know, and see what Power Sports is all about. So. Yeah, back in, um, what was it? It was like February or March, we actually did a story on a Strider um, partnership with um, Pro Twin Performance, yeah. Baxter's Garage, yeah. Kevin yeah. Baxter, noteworthy customizer and engine builder, um, up in um, uh, up in, in Walton County, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and a school that, that they donated. Uh, and we had a whole day at their shop putting bikes together. Is that and cool? And, and well, it was it was so cool being a just, part of it's that. It's so raw, and the, and the thing is, is that uh, motorcycling for most people, you know, that that got a chance to touch it and be around it when they were young. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in a modern era, if that's harder to come across. There's yeah. not the empty field across the street from my house where I used to, you know, that you get the cops called on you in like no time flat, right? Um, but bicycling as an early access that is something that that can help power sports Mm -hmm. and um but that first feel of the wind and coasting down a hill and you know being in control of this thing that moves you faster than your feet can is Mm -hmm. like it's such an addictive thing uh like what you saw in your car window as a kid that's it you know and it's uh it's for us there's been elements of the motorcycle industry that are doing surprisingly well uh, and there's other areas that are going to be a challenge, you know, if we don't continue to work for new ridership. Uh, yeah. And um, well, tell me a little bit about the yeah. about the uh, Discover the Ride. Oh, you're okay. a part of Discover the Ride. Yep. And you've kind of touched on Strider and, and we've t- we, we believe in Strider. Tell me a little bit about the Discover the Ride, how you how that developed and what what you see as the goal of it. Yeah. Discover the Ride. Um, I'll go quick. I'll do you. I'll do you a quick version of the long story. Okay. So my first time ever touching a thing with a throttle uh, at like you know whatever it was, 16, 17 years old, something like that, was like a like a pull start, you know, like scooter thing, right? Well, they didn't tell me how to slow down, and so <laughs> the thing gets going. I pin it. I go through a bush into a tree, you know, and I'm like, that was awesome, right? You know? <laughs> of course. <laughs> So the you know the hook is set right yeah, and yeah. Um, anyway the uh, that informed discover the ride believe it or not hmm. because that fear factor of of giving it too much throttle and whiskey throttle we call it commonly yeah. right uh, and the bike just rocketing Launching. out of control and you're you're just locked and uh, along for the ride. We had to engineer that out of these bikes. And so our friends at Zero Motorcycles, I own a Zero, love the brand, really neat uh, motorbikes. They um, uh, worked with me on a throttle program that limits the bike to 11 miles an hour, but it also greatly limits the acceleration. I mean, it's literally the most boring motorcycle to ride, you know, here. 
because it goes 11 and it takes a while to get up to that speed. But what we've engineered out of it is that initial fear, yeah. that initial like sort of like thr overwhelming is, thrust is gradual thing, yeah. right? And of course mm. they're electric, so there's no heat, there's no noise, no vibration, and yeah. so that there's none of that to distract you. And of course there's no clutch or shifting. And so um, that program was um, born uh, out of um, Tracy and the IMS team asking me, hey, Mr. Idea Guy, you know, what do you want to do? What, what's your big idea? I'm like, let's do rider training indoors inside a convention center. Yep, I've seen that in recent Which we years. could only do on electric. Right. And we, we used to lay out a carpeted course mm -hmm. in you know, figure eight, basically. And, uh, and that let people ride electric motorcycles inside the show. Uh, and it was a hugely, it's an important program um, because it was a catalyst. And I'll give IMS and, and, and our work full credit for this. It, Discover the Ride was an absolute catalyst for the, the Ride With Us program that the MIC, because MSF training was like a four day commitment. That right. was their only item on the menu right sort of for a beginning riders course right yeah and there wasn't this discovery program which is what i want to discover the ride to be um and that's not discover the ride's not training i'm not saying that it's, it's yeah, a replacement that, yeah. for msf right it's experience management it's that mm -hmm. managing that first experience so it's a positive one and people can get off the bike and, and feel successful at that level and then um, they ended up like shrinking a curriculum down to its bare bones to do the, the clutch exercise in first gear, just crawling along. Well, they years ago, they never, ever, ever would have considered it. Mm -hmm. But Discover the Ride, you know, we did a great job, frankly. And uh, we got a lot of people uh, who had never ridden a motorcycle before on a bike inside the show with professional instructors um you know lee parks and total control really stepped up to to help form that program and, and co-write the curriculum and stuff and that's the that's the basis of discover the ride is to say that no we as an industry can make motorcycling more approachable right. we have the technology to do now that. we do yes we do We've always had that because, frankly, you could do this with a uh, an old Honda CT 110. Put it in first gear, pull the shift lever off, and put That's a true, throttle yeah. limiter on it. And I just I just built you a gas version of our training bikes. That's true. And that, there's, there's millions of those things floating around, right? So, um, so that technology is out there. And there's KL. Uh, I think it's called the KLX 110 or the 140 that has an auto clutch, uh, little dirt bike option, right? Mm -hmm. So you can teach the basics of this stuff, and and limit. A motorcycle to have a good positive first experience right mm -hmm. so discover the ride did that it's awesome that's been a successful program for for the MIC and for for MSF mm -hmm. uh, and then even the Harley-Davidson uh, program where they have motorcycles that are limited to 12 miles an hour and they you know and and uh, and they have that that first like sort of clutch experience they developed a program uh, I would say largely in response to the success we had with Discover the Ride. Um, so we can do it. You know, we get arrogant as an industry. And uh, it can get a little bit frustrating because, uh, um, because we like talking to those of us who already get it. Yeah, and, that's true. And if when we take the time to widen our scope to somebody new coming in, mm -hmm. 
this industry can be incredibly inventive and ex exciting. And, and, and there can be a renaissance in riding. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's 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 what Discover the Ride was all about was to was to be the rock thrown into the pond, create the ripples of, of, of some rider change and, and that's happening. And it's happened. Absolutely, it is. yeah. It's I'm proud of that work for sure. Yep. You guys are doing a great work too. It's phenomenal being able to follow it and see it. And uh, now across the shows this summer. Um, what, what's been what's, what's been the response to not only the shows outdoors in general in your estimation, um, but specifically Discover the Ride, Stride, or things like that, Continue the Ride. What what, what have you seen as a response so far for its its first year going outdoors? Well, on the on the OEM, I'll start the OEMs. They're super happy because there's a load of demos that go out, you know, and uh, and as we know right now, there's a dearth of motorcycles at dealerships, right? Yeah, that's right. Inventory is really low, yeah, so to be able to, to walk bad, into yeah. you know this area and be, have access to whatever it is, two to three hundred motorcycles that you can oh, yeah. ride is incredible. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. <clears throat> so they love it. Um, customers who, you know, come here for demo rides, again, they get, get to touch and ride this stuff. So, so they're really enjoying it. We'd like to see more people coming in through the gates. We don't want to just be a demo show. It needs to be vendors and it needs to be other stuff. And it's a bit of yin yang, right? You need True. you need people to have vendors and you need vendors to have people. And so as we have shifted from an indoor program to an outdoor program, um, we haven't had as many people come through the gates as we would like to see, obviously. But it's also a significant, I mean, 41 years of indoor convention hall winter dates yeah and shifting that significantly that's a huge um you know uh rudder uh, uh, of our ship right it's an entire paradigm it's, it, it, it is that right and so that's where we really need uh you know people like you we need the oems to um broadcast that we're going to be doing demos here not just honda demos it's nice for honda to say that they're doing honda demos but you know if in the background there's some like out of focus yamahas is that so bad really <laughs> right know? we're all a, honda guy will say, yeah. a raising t a rising tide raises all ships yeah and they exactly. all kind of need to understand that yeah and i was talking to like paul gomez over at uh, national cycles been in the industry for just decades and um and we were talking about how it's incumbent on all of us who work in this show um, to spread the news about the show, to elevate the entire industry, right? And that's that's the goal here. And um, if, if you're getting messages as a consumer from an email blast from this brand, and then you see a Facebook story pop up from this other brand, and then you see, uh, uh, you get like a text alert from, you know, your last demo ride that you did that, hey, demos, all of a sudden it's coming in from a bunch of different, you're like, wow, this is a big deal. Yeah. And, rising tide as you said you know and everyone's doing well um, success in our industry is not necessarily getting 50% of the population to learn how to ride motorcycles success in our, our industry is to take the 7% who already do ride and bump it up to eight yeah and, and so that's that's that fractional kind of work that that you know those those steps that we can take together uh, to elevate motorcycling and everybody will be stoked. Everyone will make their Christmas bonuses and there you go. Life is good. And we pass on our sport to the next generation. Yeah, totally. And it's you know? it's different. It is different. You know, like you're not riding your Z50 out in the field across the street anymore. 
that's you know that things have changed so we have to as an, an industry we have to adapt and change and and promote this new form of ridership and yeah. Strider Cup events and you know BMX races that all grow into power sports. So we, we need to show the next generation that what they can put in their hands is more than some kind of electronic device. We can put throttles and handlebars back in their do, hands yeah, and they can enjoy that. life away from the screen yeah. out in the real world. Yeah, I say in Strider yeah. conversations that you can't hold your phone and a handlebars at the same time. Exactly, so. <laughs> that's right, man. How can folks um, get in touch with you and, and more learn more about what, what you're doing uh, and your your role in all this? How can folks get with you? Well, on a business end... What would end, you prefer? Uh, well, on a business end, uh, you know, honestly, I, I keep pretty active on LinkedIn, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I, as you said, that's where you and I that's met. That's where we and, found and, each other. And, uh, and I'll post up stories and, you know, and, and clips of videos that we've done and, and whatever. That's... I, I think as an industry, we can have more conversation on LinkedIn. I think that's a, a really interesting place to do that. Uh, and Look up Robert Pandia on yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, easy to do. And then, um, and I'm Robert Pandia everywhere. There's yeah. a Dr. Robert Pandia out in California who's not too pleased. Different dude. Yeah, different guy, <laughs> different guy. But I'm like, you know, yeah. And so uh, um, that said, uh, I'm also on a Facebook with a Gearheads Road Trip. Yes, uh, yeah, that's right. That, that's a cool is, group. Yeah, it's kind of fun, uh, and uh, and that's just more you know my personal enthusiast stuff. Yeah, uh, and uh, Gearheads Road Trip is also Instagram too. So Gearhead Road Trip. Yeah, Gearheads. Heads. Road trip. Yeah, it's not one. It's, it's all. Of us. It's all of us. Gearheads. That's right. We're all Plural. Gearheads. Yeah. Robert, I appreciate your time, hey, man. man. Thanks Thank for having us much. in your airstream, and thanks for a good cup of coffee and great conversation. Appreciate you. Hey, I appreciate your work, and I uh, look forward to going out there and riding with you someday. Let's huh? do it, man. <laughs> this is Robert and Rob. Robert and Robert with Road Dirt. Ride life. Catch you later. What a great time it was chatting with Robert at the International Motorcycle Shows in Atlanta. He's a great representative on behalf of all of us in the motorcycling world, so um, we enjoyed our time with him. You can check out the video for this on our YouTube channel, Road Dirt TV, as well as on our website, RoadDirt.TV, with some pictures and everything there, as well as a, a little bit of a write-up we did on Robert and getting to meet him and everything. So we hope you'll check those out. Check us out on social media as well. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all of it, Road Dirt. TV. You can find us out there. As well as a Spotify playlist, Road Dirt Classics. About 25 hours worth of music for when you're out on the road. And we hope you get out on the road again soon. Until next time, this is Rob with Road Dirt. Ride life.